I tease with my partner because he's like, Jillian, there's that expression that we all know of go big or go home. He's like, it wasn't really a question for you. You were always like, why would I go big? Why can't I just go home? <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> I like that yin world. And I think that women modeling that, that there can be a balance. Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple, Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. And welcome back to another episode of Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Couplesynergy. And please subscribe to our podcast, leave, leave us a review, or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 25 years. Everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we welcome Jillian Pothier. She has a master's in depth psychology. Her work is about masculine and feminine aspects of the psyche. She teaches women how to understand, respect, and love men and the masculine. Uh, she is a writer and the founder of Feminine Eros, which is a path and vehicle of feminine awakening. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today, Jillian. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really delighted to be here with both of you and your audience. Yes, this is great. So, you know, this is a really deep uh, topic here to talk about, and uh, we're really kind of interested to dive into this, uh, you know, and... Before we do that, though, I'd like to talk a little bit about how you kind of came about doing this kind of work and, you know, kind of your own history. Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to share about that. So um, unlike, I think, many other teachers who come from a wounded healer archetype, I don't necessarily have like the big revelatory moment where the light bulb went off. It was sort of a slow burn for much of my life being born into um, a very loving family, but a family where there was um, some pervasive wounding of the feminine. So my mom and my grandmothers and a lot of that I found as I grew up and, you know, kind of beyond the teenage years into the 20s where I realized that so much of my perception of men and the masculine was encoded with some of the perceptions of my mom and the very tumultuous divorce that she had with my father and kind of what's passed on both verbally and non-verbally, so behaviorally and energetically, from grandmother to mother to daughter, kind of from womb to womb in both very explicit messaging. Don't trust men, you know, men can't trust them. They'll always leave all these different narratives. And then also the kind of implicit teachings of 
of the feminine inside of our kind of elders and the experiences that we grow up with and how those messages seem to be creating experiences that were not consciously in my heart's desire, but that I was perpetuating mixed messaging, unclear beliefs around what do I truly believe about men? What do I truly believe about this co-creational principle called the masculine, you know, in my lifetime? Like what's true for me and how can I alchemize some of these wounds in my family so that I'm able to create the kind of loving partnership that is the truth of my desire. And as I deepened into this path, help other women to do the same. So it was a big journey for me of lots of foibles. <laughs> and then also eventually um, going to graduate school where I studied uh, Jungian psychotherapy. And in that mm -hmm. particular lineage, you really begin to learn the masculine and feminine aspect of the human psyche. So, and Dr. Ray, you might know like the anima and the animus, you know, these kind of feminine and masculine aspects of the human soul, the human psyche. And that was really like the golden key that opened up this wider, deeper understanding of both where some of these wounds come from and how we perpetuate these mixed kind of complex messaging. And then also how there can be a healing path for women, men too, but the great concentration of people in my teaching spaces um, are women. Can you give us a working definition of archetype? Sure. Um, so archetype, I would say, is like a concentration of energies that um, that moves through individuals beyond. It's something transpersonal. It's like it's something that kind of moves through us um, as a constellation of energies in the form of um, we could say I already brought up like a wounded healer or different categories of human expression. And I guess that's actually a tad less elegant than I had attended, but that's how I would talk about archetypal energies. They're bigger than just small S self. They're bigger than our own personalities. They're big energies that come through palpably. I mean, we can look at many prints and many different kind of famous figures, and many of them are working with and expressing big archetypal energy, Marilyn Monroe, Beyonce, you know, lots of these figures where you can feel that it's not just Norma Jean, it's Marilyn Monroe. There's a bigger energy that is coming through her individual sense of selfhood. And, and Carl Jung did a lot of work on the archetypes, you know, and, you know, that is something we're definitely very familiar with. You know, my question for you is, um, you know, in the in the light of the Me Too movement, you know, there were it became kind of very um, you had a target on your back if you were a man. Uh -huh. you know? And, you know, rightly so. There's been a lot of atrocities and men have have caused, you know, women, you know, throughout the generations. Um, what motivated you then instead of to kind of jump on the bandwagon with all of the, you know, Me Too movement? to kind of go in, in, in an opposite direction of, 
like let's let's heal these wounds, right? Let's help women actually uh, embrace, you know, the the sacred man. Yeah, I love this question, Dr. Ray. And I will share, this is where it gets, can get a little controversial quickly. Like there can be some escalation of this because when I saw the Me Too movement arising and we had something like 13 million women in North America, Canada, United States, raising their hand in like, yes, this happened to Me Too, we clearly are seeing that there is a distorted masculine behavior that men, some men, some men are behaving in distorted and wounded ways with women. And as the old saying goes, there is a way that energetically it, it takes two to tango. Like, so if women stay located in a narrative of victim consciousness, that is what they will identify as, as being victims of an experience of violation. There is truth in that, but we have to have a more expanded view if women truly want to be in the fullness of like their co, their creational nature. So a lot of this was gingerly unpacking the deeper truth here through a certain lens. So I believe that the feminine, and let's say in this case, because when I say the feminine, the masculine, if I may just pop this up to clarify one layer here for us, I don't just mean men and women. Inside of a woman, there is a feminine and then there is a masculine aspect. Same thing for men. Men are embodied masculine with a feminine aspect of their psyche or their soul, which originally actually meant the same word. They're sourced in the same etymology. So in this instance, we had to begin to look at what is the deeper truth here? And for me, and this is where I'm going to kind of tiptoe out a little bit in this conversation, women have a need to for penetration, we not just physical penetration, but for energetic penetration, we have a need to feel ourselves through the masculine. And if we are not in conscious relationship to that, sometimes we can put ourselves in situations, and this is not meaning just physical by a long shot, we can put ourselves in situations so that we that the part of us that actually craves and wants to experience energetic penetration, big experiences with the masculine, we can put ourselves in those situations without being fully conscious that there's part of our shadow or part of our unconscious that's sort of in the driver's seat to have that need or that desire met. This is not. So one of the immediate listenings of this is like, Jillian, are you blaming women? And I am not blaming women, but if women stay located in this very kind of small window or perception of self as victim, we are not able to serve life. We are not able to serve the part of ourselves that is profoundly resilient and actually on a certain level, these experiences may just serve our most profound expansion when we can alchemize them and be in 
you know, air quote, right relationship to those experiences. So this is incredibly nuanced. And I always feel like I need to clarify the various listenings because you can listen to this from very different kind of spiritual stations or spiritual altitude and have different experiences. This is not victim blaming. I am in profound devotion to feminine expression, feminine fullness, feminine sovereignty. And in that requires for many of us, a journey of spiritual repair with men in the masculine so that we can be in the most exalted expression of our woman, of our feminine in this lifetime, which I deeply believe is one of the like primordial cravings of the feminine is to feel herself in her fullness. And that can be a very tender path of it's, it's kind of scar work is, is a way that I describe that path. When I think about the generations in my family and my grandmother, who probably was more intelligent than my grandfather, but in those times she had to stay home and be a mom and, you know, he worked and he got to call the shots. And that's kind of the standard in the overculture that most women did back then. And she was a teacher for a while. So she was, she, she had some education to my mom who showed up to literally barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. My mom had nine kids. My uh -huh. dad, my dad went to work. They had those stereotypical role models that they always did. And I always wondered like, what would happen if my mom one day said, I want to get a job because I started to see that in high school. Some of my friends' moms started working and my mom never did that. My dad never came home and said, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I'll stay home with the kids. So they never challenged those roles. My dad passed away when my mom was 58. And now she's been in a relationship for close to 20 years with someone else. But now she's the boss. And she uh -huh. does what she wants. It's very interesting in my lifetime to see these shifts. And I remember being a young woman and thinking, I don't want to be married if that's what marriage is. Mm -hmm. And then in our relationship, we have much more of a, a balance between, between some of the things that we do, our roles and, and how we manage things. What is going on now with masculine and feminine energy and relationships that you've noticed? Oh, this is such a great question, Jean. Thank you. The way I describe this is I feel like there has been such a massive pendulum swing. Um, some of this is the shadow of feminism. Um, and then in kind of collective response and collective reorganization, I would say in a nutshell that we are seeing more and more women who are, the word I was would use is something like masculinized. They are out in the world. They are working hard. They are, you know, so many children are, and I don't judge this at all, but like are growing up without a mom at home. And then part of the shadow of feminism is when you said like your mom, literally barefoot and pregnant. I've had many girlfriends who are like, I want to stay home. I want to be a homemaker. I want to tend the hearth of my family and my children and them to be shamed by contemporaries or like, we haven't worked this so, so hard for you to go back to the fifties. You know, this idea that we are, it's regressive for a woman to actually be in the truth of her yin, you know, the truth of her feminine essence, which for many women, this is, none of this is universal, but for many women includes 
creating a beautiful home, creating an experience for her family that is aesthetically beautiful, that there's joy in that for her. And that there's almost a way where the idea of feminism, which was to give, you know, freedom to women, it's almost like a little bit distorted or a bit of a not because now women, if they choose in full sovereignty to have a deeply yin experience for chapters of their life, it's like that's deemed old school. That's deemed regressive. And I think that there's a tremendous loss in this. And this is one of the things that I work on with women is like, being in approval of their desires, not the desires that are more overtly celebrated or glorified by our culture. Our culture is very yang. It's very masculine. We are always going to be rewarded for producing and working hard and getting good grades and, you know, going to Ivy League schools and creating big businesses. All of that will be rewarded culturally because that is kind of the code of capitalism in some ways. But when women want, they're like, oh gosh, I don't know that I want that. Or I've tried that. I had a big, I was a hotshot producer for several years. When I wanted to stop that, I got a lot of side eye in my life. <laughs> like Jillian, what are you doing? You've come so far, you're executive, you know, you have all this hotshot titles. And the unwinding of that so that I could be in approval of my yin, of my feminine essence, which I always, I tease with my partner because he's like, Jillian, there's that expression that we all know of like, go big or go home. He's like, it wasn't really a question for you. You were always like, why would I go big? Why can't I just go home? <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> I like that yin world. And I think that women modeling that, that there can be a balance and that you don't have to participate in these kind of cultural egregores of, you know, superwoman, even there's so much I could say. There's so much I could say about this. But as women become more masculinized and we see these memes and these tropes, the future is female. You know, we don't need men to have children. All of these things. I'm like, oh, my gosh. As women, as the culture thrusts the feminine women more into masculinized roles, in parallel, the complementary energetic is that men are becoming more feminized. Mm -hmm. Men are becoming, um, I'm going to say some tough cookie things here, I think, a little bit weaker in their masculine because they are not in approval of the potency the primal nature of maleness, because this has been so criminalized and or diluted into either the nice guy, or speaking of archetypes, we can look at cultural archetypes of men, Homer Simpson, or that's on one end, or we see like villains, kind of criminal guys, you know, like the, the, the villains. Bad I don't know. Element. Yeah. The bad, the bad man. We very rarely see highly coded, potent, primal men, fathers, the reclamation of the word, the patriarch, head of the household, and have that man be respected for his primal maleness. 
that is a lost art and so not even art a lost quality of the feminine of women i see in general how women talk to men and talk about men and i teach this in my courses where I call it the collective feminine disrespect of the masculine, how women collude in their disrespect and their degradation of men and the masculine. Just my intolerance of that is confronting to women, both in my personal life and in my larger teaching fields. I am a zero, like there, I have zero tolerance for that. Like that does not happen on my watch. And just that entrainment for women to see and feel what it is like to be in the field of a woman who is very intentional and not contorted. This is a very important layer of this. When I have done so much work in alchemizing and purifying how I have come to hold and see men in the masculine, that it is in my delight and in my truth to honor men with reverence and respect. And that actually, even physiologically, like it feels so good, but bringing women on a journey where they can go from their egoic narrative or their hunger for power or their wounds. So I say all of this, their wounds and their injuries and their fear to moving through a journey of really touching these places and really unearthing the truth of our essence as woman and as man, and then creating union, creating partnership, creating family from that place, that remembrance is something that's so beautiful to behold. You probably have heard of a book, uh, I think it was written in the 1970s called The King, the Warrior, the Magician, and the Lover yeah. Yeah, about yeah. the masculine arch archetypes. And back then I was living in a place where there was a lot of chauvinism. I have six brothers. The boys were treated very differently. And I remember reading that book and he was talking about, you know, Men don't get a choice. They don't they don't become fathers and go, maybe I'll stay home, maybe I'll work part-time, maybe I'll do this. And and it was the first time I really saw that it was just as unhealthy in the creation of the for the men as well as the women who they did start having more choices of am I gonna work? Am I part-time? Am I not just stay at home like my grandma? Right, right. And um and learning that what's what's good for one is actually good for both and what hurts one hurts both. And that swing from being in that place where I think it was actually painful for guys to have to hold that position of the chauvinist or the, you know, have it having all that power without any support and all the the pressure and blame of that. And you even see it in our health, right? That men before used to have all the heart attacks. Well, guess who's having them now? Yeah. <laughs> and so how would you define what it means to be empowered as a, a masculine? What does it mean to be empowered as a feminine? Okay. This is such a big question. And Jean, I'm a little bit careful like about, like, I won't know that answer necessarily for a man and I don't want to speak for men. So like I will teach women. I could respect that actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you, doctor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Um, but I can happy to speak about the feminine experience of that. 
Um, and so your question specifically was like, what, will you, will you share your question one more time with me, please? Um, and, and maybe I'll give a little bit more background from my experience of trying to figure these things out. It was, it was after one of the Super Bowls. I think it was like Beyonce and Shakira or something. And everyone was in this frenzy of, you know, is that what it means to be empowered as a woman that you, you can just put everything out there without concern of, you know, whatever. And I remember posting something that's saying, what does it mean to be empowered as a woman? And everyone came back with, it means I get to do what I want when I want to do it. And to me, that kind of just seems like selfish and like not part of anything that didn't seem empowering to me. And now that we live in Colorado, I see all, all the women here, we all have these um, passion for growing things. <laughs> And we get teased a lot. Oh, you brought another plant home, you know? And I was like, wow, that's really interesting because we live so much closer to the earth here and they, they have this desire to take care of things. They also participate fully in, you know, taking care of horses and, and fixing fences and in lots of things that are physically demanding and tough, but also they have this beautiful expression of cooking food that's more from the earth, growing it and, and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, maybe that's more along the lines of feeling empowered as a woman, as opposed to just kind of being a bulldozer. Mm -hmm. I think being a bulldozer is ultimately a, a painful state for a woman. Um, and I think that many women, um, don't it's like we become numb to the pain because so much of that is generated by survival or for survival but to bring it back to kind of the original question which is like what does it what does it feel like or look like or mean for a woman to be fully empowered and i love your expressions gene and also the range of this like it's everything from like making bread from scratch to fixing fences, if that's our desire, not what we are culturally rewarded to do, not what we are have to do in order for, for survival, but like, what is the truth of our desire? And for so many women that I work with, and I work with very high functioning women often, you know, on, on a big path. And I say to them, what's like, what's your heart's desire? It's like, crickets like they actually don't know because when a woman is separated from the truth of her desire she is so susceptible to just reacting like reacting all the time and that's actually not where the quintessence of the feminine lives which is like when we can be in approval of our true heart's desire not our ego not oh I want to Porsche because it'll make me feel some type of way, but it's like, oh my gosh, I want to feel myself. I want to feel the effect of what I create, whether it's children, gardens, plants, sourdough bread, whatever this is, but I want to feel the quality of my expression. Women are the birthers. We birth our whole lives, regardless of whether of the biological reality. It's like we want to feel what we are birthing. But in order to feel and tend to and nurture what we're birthing, we actually have to be 
attuned to like, what are we being seeded with? Because nothing is birthed without seeding. And because there's so much distortion around men and the masculine, I feel like what women birth kind of culturally or symbolically is so tainted, is so lost. And I think that this reclamation of kind of the yin arts, which is not really a term I've actually ever said before, but there's something rightful about that in that if that is a woman's desire, like I will, if women are like, Jillian, I want to be an astronaut and a, like, I'm like, okay, you go and we will create this path for you. But only like you have to bring your feeling body, your feeling self with you as a woman. If you want to have the most profound experience of being empowered. It's not just being empowered as a person, it's being empowered as a woman. And that includes feminine essence, that includes yin. And I would imagine in very different ways that Dr. Ray can speak to, it's co it's complementary for the masculine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, what we have, uh, we've noticed and we've commented about this is that, you know, a lot of, um, the media, a lot of Hollywood and movies and everything, they seem to have, especially the superhero movies and all of that, they they seem to have equalized totally. men and women. Mm -hmm. You know, that women are coming out and, and not just equalized, like women are coming out as being more masculine, you know, that they have to be able to beat up these men, you know? And so in that way, I, I feel, we feel like, uh, you know, being a man and being a woman, people have lost connection with what that really means, right? And, and I used the word sacred man earlier because I, I really believe that that's, that's truly what, you know, is, is an empowered man, is, is a sacred man, and, and complementary would be a sacred woman, right? But this removal of gender, this this equalization of men and women that we are all the same, I, we feel has really done a huge disservice, especially when it comes to a committed partnership. Because within a committed partnership, each partner occupies a role in that relationship, you know, a different but complementary role. And if men and women can't figure that out within their, their relationship, then, you know, there is no there's no yin and yang. There is no, uh, you know, push and pull that that creates that polarity, where we get that that energy and that passion. One hundred percent. The spark, right? Exactly. I don't know if you if you kind of are in alignment with that that type of you know theory and concept. Hundred percent. When I always, I teach very often, like men and women are not equal. We are we could never be equal with one another. We are complementary expressions, mm -hmm. but that does that does not mean equality. And that's another one of these kind of cultural narratives, like equality between men and women. Sure, in like socio-political constructs like you know, salaries and things like that. But when we take that into our homes, and more specifically, when we take that into our bedrooms, we are going to flatten. Eros, we are going to flatten that because what you're, you know, I loved how Jean called it a spark. It's like, it's like a little bit of tension. It's like a little bit of creative 
tension in a beautiful way, in a beautiful way that creates that spark, that creates that energy and that that self-perpetuating inside of relationships for decades that for it's eternally, but will be lost unless each individual is skillful. Again, not at contorting. This isn't contorting, but about embodying, embodying the truth of woman and man, masculine and feminine, again, using those interchangeably and they are very distinct from one another in many ways to kind of create that self-perpetuating energy and spark of delight in one another and of erotic desire for each other. As soon as we have a masculine woman in a relationship or a woman who's been masculinized culturally, familially, in a relationship with a man, it's like usually what happens is that they end up just butting heads. It's like they're competing. And she's often in her ego and in her mental structure instead of feeling, which when a woman can offer vulnerably, authentically her felt sense, my belief is that that reflexively activates masculine desire, organic desire to protect and provide, which are very beautiful kind of qualities of the masculine. But when women strip that part of themselves away and kind of migrate to the masculine consciously or unconsciously, it actually doesn't evoke that from him. And then we hear the narratives emotionally unavailable man, he's such a narcissist. You know, we hear these perpetuated narratives where I'm like, okay, okay, there might be truth in that. But if we can work with the feminine in this system, all relationships are systems, I have a sneaky suspicion because I've seen it over and over again for 15 years, that whole system will change. And women will hear this and be like, well, Jillian, why do I have to do all the work? Why does the women have to do all the work? I'm like, it's not actually work. It's it's undoing. It's undoing so many things that we've been conditioned and programmed and then rewarded for. So that happens or get, uh, over a woman's life. But when we can get that complementarity kind of reorganized, recultivated in a relationship, oh my gosh, for the children too. It's like, they are actually seeing organic expressions of man and woman in their home life instead of these, I see they're so jumbled sometimes. The energetics and the polarity is all reversed and upside down and it doesn't create harmonious relationships. It actually creates relationships where the man is not being respected and the woman is not being cherished. And those are essential needs and desires for two people in relationship that it's like they're missing each other. They're missing those two like generative qualities for the man to be respected and for the woman to be cherished. I think there's even a danger in that where, you know, a lot of women that I work with, I want to teach them the concept of dropping the hanky. (laughs) Yeah. And what happens in the animal kingdom is the guy has to show up and do his song and dance to woo her, to prove he's going to be a good mate because 
last I checked, women are still the only ones given birth. Mm -hmm. And we will be in that vulnerable place. And when we get this concept of, I don't need that, then we allow in very uh, immature men who want a mother instead of a partner. Exactly. And, and then when they get to us, they're like, well, why am I doing everything? Well, because you told him you don't need anything. And he's behaving in a way that you're not asking him to step up into being that, that masculine. And, and a lot of fathers, you know, since the industrial revolution have stopped being strong forces in parenting both their daughters and sons. And, and we've almost like tried to make that obsolete that they're not important. And so such a big factor in, in all of this stuff. And it is, it's totally a dance that both sides are a part of, mm -hmm. but the danger of that, of, of not really vetting appropriately a guy who's safe and is going to step up when you need him. And then they're, they're all upset. Like why, why, <laughs> why does he wait to be told what to do? Exactly. Women, I think a primary, this is, well, Jean, may I respond to that with a thought? Mm -hmm, yeah. So, and this is slightly tangential, but you know, this is also related to the whole world space or the whole of like sex positivity and women because of the pill and all, like we have all of this sexual freedom. And I find often that it's like women, like they can go to Las Vegas and they can have all these wild sexcapades <laughs> and all the women are like, oh, you go girl. Like they're supported by like their, the, the, the women in their world space. But a woman wants to, you know, have a devotional experience or relationship with her partner. Like I once posted on the, on Facebook, a beautiful sacred foot washing ceremony where I was washing the feet of my beloved. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was, it was outrageous. It's more acceptable to watch porn or to hear women have these wild sex positive experiences than it is for a woman to truly be in a devotional offering to her partner or her husband. And so I think in so many ways, and this is, I do believe a very harmful trope for women. It's like women are having sex with men way too early. And then we, because we're built to bond, we lose that capacity for rigorous discernment, rigorous, like who is this man? And really listening to him, like what are his intentions for you? And to really bring that information in without just kind of getting intoxicated on the erotic current of connection. Because then we end up being bonded to men biologically, chemically, that actually might not be great partners for us in terms of his character or what he desires, his vision, his frame for us. And I think that that's a quite a slippery slope with lots of heartbreak the whole way down. And, and this is where women need to be more potently responsible for the choices that we make with men. And in doing so, and this is tricky because I don't want people to hear, oh, I'm blaming women, which is how this work can be misunderstood. If women really held their 
or remembered their value and their worthiness and their beauty and, and really honored that and had kind of requirements for the men in their life before we really opened our bodies and allowed ourselves to be kind of biochemically bonded to, to men, we would be in such service to men, the collective masculine. Like we would not see this erosion of the masculine, the primal spirit and nature. I love what Dr. Ray says of the sacred masculine. If we are not honoring ourselves as the sacred woman, the feminine frequency, like this is a, one of my big teaching principles is the feminine does not lead. The masculine leads. We can even see this anatomically, but our frequency goes first. So what I mean by that is how a woman values herself and how she learns to respect men and the masculine is so much. It's like edifying. It's like spiritual instruction for the masculine. She is in service to his spiritual, his consciousness through how she holds herself. So it's not didactic. It's not like, oh, you need to do this to a man or you should do this. It's no, how does she, how does she hold herself? So hey, slight you know, sidebar. Yeah. <laughs> you, you talked about how this work can be misinterpreted. And I was wondering if in your work, you have seen uh, a correlation with internal anger and misinterpreting you know, the balance between masculine and feminine and the roles that each play, you know, meaning that, you know, if a woman has gone through some trauma at the hands of men, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. are they less likely to be able to be open to this, these kinds of concepts? Okay. This is a very beautiful question, Dr. A. <clears throat> I have, so the disclaimer I give in my particular work is if you have like profound trauma or heavy trauma with men in the masculine, exactly as you said, if you've been in a situation being violated, and it doesn't even need to be physically kind of sight, you know, violated by mm -hmm. men. If this is still unmetabolized trauma, if and you then this work will probably be too activating for you. And sometimes to be very direct, potentially re-traumatizing that there's a truth in this. But if you have, ha if you have a more, if you've done some work around this, if you've done some somatic work, which I think is so important where you can have a, your nervous system has had some healing and repair and you're spiritually ready to like have some mirrors held or some teachings held that might feel confronting. I mean, this work is not comfortable for many women then this work is for you. I have women in my field who have had profound trauma. Like I hear it and I, the like profound trauma on multiple occasions by men and abusive situations. And they come through this experience path. It's, it's a multi-layered path. There isn't some, you know, in and outdoor. And then all of a sudden, voila, it's a journey, but women benefit so profoundly from healing their relationship with men and the masculine because we are in an embedded context on this planet. Many of these women have sons or will go on to have sons. It's like we, we are here together 
on this planet. So if we hold judgment, resentment, calcified trauma imprints, we actually will never feel safe in our bodies or in our lives. We, and we will never be able to fully kind of open our blossom. And that's a very painful state for women. So either way, we really, you have a choice to stay in pain and numbness, or you have a choice to move through in whatever way is rightful for you a certain coming undone that can also have some pain in it. There is a reality to this. But on the other side of that is so much expansion and beauty and grace and remembrance and feeling safe and trusting yourselves. And dare I say, like believing in the goodness of men and men's hearts again. Like we have a right to believe that. And there's no magic wand. When it truly isn't. <laughs> sure. And you know what we've seen in our work because we work with a couple is watching the man heal that masculine wound with her and her healing the feminine wound with him. And that is it is the most beautiful thing to witness and be a part of. I deeply, deeply agree and honor that works so deeply for both of you. It is a profound gift, not just to that couple, but to that couple's family and the legacy of that couple and all who love each of those individuals, like a healed woman or a healed man, that that whole everybody in that who is blessed to love that person or be loved by that person receives some current of that healing and that wholeness. So I think that this work is in such profound service to to life and you know with what we've been talking about it it is in great need today great in our society Mm -hmm. jillian where can someone find out more about your work and more about you uh i think facebook and instagram so um and on Instagram, it's at Feminine Eros, and there's a little underscore between Feminine Eros. And on Facebook, it's Jillian Pothier. I have a free Facebook group where um, it's an incredibly beautiful community. It's free, and um, I think that's a beautiful entry point for a lot of women because um, there's been women in that field with me. There's several thousand women in there, but we have been journeying for a long time. And so there's an incredible attunement there that I think is really in service to the feminine heart. And um, then lastly, I have um, a free gift for your audience that I can share about if women would like to learn more about that as well. Yeah, sure. Please. So um, the URL for that is devotion.gifts, G-I-F-T-S. And there they will receive a beautiful kind of guide um, called Eight Ways to Cultivate Feminine Allure, which is our magnetism, our organic emanation of love and beauty and, um, yeah, kind of our magnetic essence. And that's in my delight to share with your audience if that is in their desire. Thank you very much for that mm-hmm. offer. And, you know, we will put um, those links into the show notes so that any of our audience listening would be able to access those, those great that offers. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Jillian, for being on our podcast. It's mm-hmm. been a very enlightening conversation and 
just really in alignment with a lot of the work that we do. I love that. That feels so good to me. Thank you both so much for the invitation and for the beautiful questions and holding of this experience. I feel really grateful. So thank you. Thanks for being on our show. (laughs) My deep pleasure. Thank you, Jean. We want to thank all of you for joining us on Couples Synergy today. Our passion is in helping people and couples have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please let us know how you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couples Synergy and our programs, such as Relationship 101, the Home Study Course, the Couples Relationship Enhancement Weekend, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.